Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is bees. Before we start getting into detail, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject then research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by cre- creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated later in the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. 
We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information with that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of ethnomology. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. A lot of the time, insects are merely thought of as bugs that have to be exterminated. Discover magazine in the following extract from the year 2004 explains why insects are vital for the survival of the human race while questioning why there is such a dislike for insects. Quote, such animosity hardly seems justified. Of the approximately 9 million species of insects on Earth, the vast, vast majority undiscovered and unnamed. Only about 1.5% do us any harm. The rest have either no direct impact or provide some very obvious and indispensable benefits to humans. They pollinate, pollinate plants, including 80% of the world's 94 major food crops, as well as vast tracts of tropical rainforest. They decompose our dead and all the waste that animals and plants produce, from dung to discarded skin, feathers to hair, dead leaves to rotten wood. They protect our harvest, harvest by eating the pests and the weeds that would destroy them. They are the food for birds, frogs, reptiles, fish and mammals, including wittingly and unwittingly humans. They aerate and enrich the soil by digging tunnels and carrying nutrients down from the surface. That in turn helps prevent erosion and runoff of the rivers and the streams." Unquote. Even wasps are useful. They kill off pests that eat crops. We're not flying around your ice cream cone. But if you listen to psychics talking about the other side, it seems that insects aren't around. Maybe they have their own place to go, but I think bumblebees should be an exception if any of that is true. But going back to wasps, they can sting you without dying, while bees will die because their stingers get stuck. Bees can sting other animals and survive. It's just that human skin is soft and their stingers get stuck. I wonder how bees have evolved not adapting to stinging humans. But the belief is that bees evolved from wasps around 100 million years ago, but with wasps having no problem with their stingers. How many different species of bees are there? Around 20,000, apparently. And they're all not like honeybees, with only a few species that make honey. How long have honeybees been kept in their hives to provide honey and wax? For a very long time, since early civilizations. The ancient Egyptians used the symbol of the bee in hieroglyphs and attached religious and spiritual significance to the little creature. The Planet Bee website explains beekeeping in ancient Egypt as follows. Quote, beekeeping has been practiced for thousands of years in Egypt. For at least 4,500 years, the Egyptians have been making hives in the same way, out of pipes of clay or Nile mud, often stacked one on top of another. These hives were moved up and down the Nile depending on the time of year, allowing the bees to pollinate any and all flowers which were in season. Special rafts were built for moving these hives, which, which were stacked in pyramids. At each new location, the hives were carried to the nearby flowers and released. When the flowers died, the bees were taken a few miles further down the Nile 
and released again. Thus the bees traveled the whole length of Egypt. This tradition continues into the present day, unquote. I'm amazed how you always are able to find a reason to include ancient Egypt and then mention the pyramids. I think we can learn a lot from the ancient Egyptians. The article continues, quote, honey and wax were used for religious as well as practical purposes. Sacred animals were fed cake sweet with honey. These animals included the sacred bull at Memphis, the sacred lion at Leontopolis, and the sacred crocodile at Crocodilopolis. Mummies were sometimes embalmed in honey and often sarcophagi were sealed with beeswax. Jars of honey were left in tombs as offerings to the dead to give them something to eat in the afterlife. One of our favorite stories to tell kids is that when King Tut's tomb was opened, a 2000 year old jar of honey was found. And because honey never spoils, it was still perfectly edible. It is widely believed in ancient Egypt that a witch or wizard made a beeswax figure of a man and injured it or destroyed it. The man himself would suffer or die. In a ceremonial offering known as the opening of the mouth, priests used special instruments to place honey in the mouth of a statue of a god or the statue of a mummy or of a king or other great noble. Certain lines in ancient rituals indicate the Egyptian may have believed that the soul of a man, his car or double, the part which continues after death, took the form of a bee. Another ritual from the book of Amtuwait or the other world compares the voice of souls to the hum of bees, unquote. Honeybees living in hives must have their own society or mini civilization in order to be so productive. I'm sure bee life in hives have, has been studied in detail. There's a queen plus a couple of hundred drones and tens of thousands of worker bees. The queen, the largest bee and the only one that can give birth to young, emits pheromones to communicate to the hive and keep it working. Drones are males that mate with a queen. The remaining bees are the female worker bees that forage for pollen and nectar, communicating with each other for the location of food by dancing in the air. The workers include nurse bees that look after the young. The bee larvae are fed royal jelly and can develop into the bee larvae that are fed royal jelly can develop into a queen bee. Royal jelly is secreted from the glands of nurse bees. There are also worker bees that clean the hive and guard bees that protect the hive from predators. If the queen is not doing her job properly, the hive will revolt and produce a new queen bee. How do hives survive the cold of the winter and continue on to the next year? Hives have to be around 90 to 95 degrees Fahrenheit or 32 to 35 degrees Celsius to survive. Bees are cold blooded and vibrate their bodies to provide heat or bring water to provide cooling when temperatures are high. It's quite amazing. When winter arrives, the drones are kicked out of the hive while the queen is kept warm by worker bees clustering around her. The bees survive off of stored honey. How do bees make honey? The Australian website Honeybee provides the following explanation, quote, Bees need two different kinds of food. One is honey made from nectar, the sugary juice that collects in the heart of flowers. The other comes from the anthers of flowers, which contain numerous small grains called pollen. Just as flowers have different colours, so do their pollen. Let's go with the honeybee from her flower to the hive and see what happens. Most bees gather only pollen or nectar. As she sucks the nectar from the flower, is stored in a special honey stomach ready to be transferred to the honey-making bees in the hive. If hungry, she opens a valve in the nectar sac and a portion of the payload passes through her own stomach to be converted into energy for her own needs." Unquote. 
In the hive, the nectar is converted into honey by honey-making bees that reduce the water content. Changing the subject, it's time to talk about killer bees or Africanized bees. Yes, the BBC website from an article in 2015 provides the background of how killer bees originated. Quote, in 1956, a Brazilian scientist called Warwick Kerr imported African honeybees to South America with the intention of breeding a more productive strain. Some of them escaped to bred with European honeybees in the wild, giving rise to a hybrid species. These Africanized honeybees began to spread. By 1985, they made it as far as Mexico. In 2014, researchers studying the spread of these hybrids across California found that they had reached San Francisco. Early in this invasion, the Africanized honeybees acquired the name killer bees, inspiring plenty of fear and a rash of second-rate bee-related movies along the way. In the absence of an allergic reaction, it would take around a thousand bee stings to deliver a lethal dose of toxin to an average-sized adult. European bees are rarely that discombative. African bees, Africanized bees can be, unquote. How common are allergic reactions to bee stings? Allergic reactions to bee stings kill an estimated 40 to 100 people a year in the United States alone, according to an ABC News article from 2009. But in an incident reported on the Mother website from July the 18th, 2018, shows just how scary and dangerous killer bees can be. Quote, in a nightmare scenario, a California woman was attacked by a swarm of up to 80,000 bees on Monday. After sustaining over 200 bee stings, a middle-aged woman, identified only by her first name, Maria, is now in critical condition at Saddleback Hospital in nearby Laguna Hills, but she is expected to hive, but to survive, unquote. The article claims that hundreds of people have been killed by killer bees that are invasive to much of the southwest of the United States, including an Arizona landscaper who died in 2017 after a swarm of 100,000 bees attacked him. I think we'll have to go into the break and talk about bumblebees after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, 
international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And we are going to talk about what the buzz is about. So let's switch gears and mention bumblebees, which seem to be absolutely wonderful creatures. For years, there was a myth that, that under the laws of physics, bumblebees shouldn't be able to fly. The following from physics.org or the physics.org website provides an explanation of how bees fly. The Ellington referred to is Charlie Ellington, professor of animal mechanics at Cambridge University, England. Quote, as a bee takes flight, air swirls in a tight circle, a vortex over the leading edge of the wing. The vortex is a low-pressure region above the wing, and it sucks the wing upwards, explains Ellington. This is what gives the bees the extra bit of lift it needs to buzz around from flower to flower, unquote. Bumblebee's wing, bumblebee wings beat more than 130 times per second. Apparently, to be able to fly, a bumblebee's flight muscles have to be above 30 Celsius or 83 Fahrenheit, and the thorax has to be between... 30 degrees C and 40 degrees C, or between 83 and, and 104 Fahrenheit, regardless of ambient temperature. But the ambient temperature can be as low as 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit, with bumblebees still able to fly. Bumblebees are excellent pollinators due to their fluffy furry coats, long tongues, and the ability to buzz pollinate. Aren't bees supposed to buzz? Not like bumblebees. The Buzz About Bees website explains the special ability of bumblebees as follows. Quote, soft fruit and tomato growers are well aware of the efficiency of bumblebees for pollination. Why is this so? It's because bumblebees are capable of buzz pollination. Here the bumblebee's place is thorax, upper body, close to the anthers of a flower and vibrates the, its flight muscles. This vibration shakes the pollen from the anthers and enables efficient pollination of tomatoes, kiwi fruit, and cranberries. This is also especially beneficial in blueberry pollination and strawberry pollination. Even where crops can be self-pollinated, as in some tomatoes, nevertheless, they produce more and bigger fruit with the aid of bumblebees for pollination." Unquote. Bumblebees are wild and don't live in hives, so what is their lifestyle? Here are two quicks. Quick facts about bumblebees from the National Wildlife Federation website. Quote, one, unlike most native bees, but like honeybees, bumblebees are social insects that live in colonies. 
usually located underground, particularly in abandoned holes made by rodents. Bumblebee nests contain about 50 to and between 50 and 500 individuals. Two, except for new queens which hibernate during winter, bumblebee colonies die in late fall. Queens overwinter, overwinter in small holes just beneath or on the ground surface, emerging in spring to create new colonies. They begin by laying eggs, unquote. Bumblebees make only enough honey for their own use, but bumblebees are in trouble. They are in decline with some species becoming extinct. That is worrying and upsetting to hear. They're fantastic animals, as well as being the best pollinators. Here's part of a Pacific Standard article from May of 2018. Quote, reasons for bumblebee decline include increased prevalence of pests and pathogens, poor nutrition and pesticide exposure. Many of the stresses are due to agriculture intensification, particularly in the Midwest. Traditionally, grassland prairies provide a nutritionally dense, safe forage for bees. But most former prairie lands have been converted to corn and soybean fields or developed for commercial and residential use. As a result, bumblebees are increasingly exposed to pesticides and their food supply is shrinking. Why are some species thriving while others are declining? Some research suggests that traits such as a narrow, such as a narrow or specialized diet and a large body size are associated with a decline. But much more research is needed to fully understand which traits make species vulnerable and to identify species that are especially at risk." Unquote. Is there anything being done about pesticides? We haven't had time to discuss colony collapse disorder in honeybees when the majority of worker bees disappear, leaving only the queen, some drones, and some nurse bees. But it should be a major concern. In April of 2018, the European Union enacted a ban on neonicotinoid pesticides. But in August of 2018, the United States government reversed the existing ban on neonicotinoid pesticides, which had been put in place two years before. This following environmentalists pointing out the threat to vital and vulnerable species. So why are neonicotinoid pesticides believed to be particularly harmful? Typically, they aren't sprayed, but they're coated onto seeds to be part of the chemistry of the growing plant. A London independent newspaper article from August 2018 references some disturbing research. Quote, a new study has added to the body of evidence suggesting that bees not only enjoy consuming certain pesticides, they experience something comparable to addiction when they do. British researchers gave bumblebees in 10 colonies a choice of two different food sources, one that was just straight sugar solution and one containing neonicotinoid pesticides over the course of 10 days. Neonicotinoids are a highly controversial group of chemicals that have recently been targeted, have been a target of a near total EU ban, but are nevertheless still the most widely used pesticides in the world. Once fed with food containing these pesticides, the bees kept coming back for more in behavior that looked remarkably like a human developing some kind of substance addiction. The article continues. The work published in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society Bee builds on previous research that appeared to show bees preferred preferring food with pesticides in it over uncontaminated sources. A paper published in mid-August revealed that sulfoxiflor, a chemical that has already been approved for use in several EU nations, has a disruptive effect on bumblebee colonies.
unquote. Is there any good news on the plight of bees? In Amsterdam and the Netherlands, the diversity of bee species has increased by 45% since the year 2000. This has been achieved by creating bee-friendly environments like overground patches of shrubs, as well as banning the use of chemical pesticides on public land. With that good news, it's time for the first question. Are there approximately 9 million species of insects on Earth with the vast majority undiscovered and unnamed? There are more than 9 million, so 9 million is actually a lower estimate than exists. Is it significantly more than 9 million? Yes, it's actually about 10.5 million. Are only about 1.5% of insects harmful to humans? Yes, a lot of insects just want to be left alone and be able to live their lives. What would the planet be like if there were no insects? It wouldn't function, so insects have many different roles to keep the ecosystem in check and also alive. So without insects, there wouldn't be something to destroy the waste, for example, or be able to have flowers as they are, or even how they relate to different animals. So even smaller critters that eat them, for example. So without insects, the whole ecosystem would be out of whack, and animals and plants and even humans would not be able to survive like life is today. What can be done to achieve an appreciation of the benefits to the planet brought by insects? To achieve the perspective of how important insects are would be to put into perspective what this planet would be like without insects. So to show humans what they would lose if they weren't, for example, even spiders or even ants or insects that aren't thought of being helpful. So put in perspective how different the ecosystem would be and how many different products, foods, even different lifestyle items such as clothing, wouldn't exist if it wasn't for insects. In the afterlife, are reports true that there are no insects in spirit form that interact with human spirits? Not exactly, no. So some insects may actually choose to go to the spirit world, but that's their choice. So they're not going to be around like they are on Earth. However, they may want to choose a different life or go into spirit form depending on what their decision is. Could their spirits become different animals? Yes. How did bees evolve with the inability to sting humans without getting their stingers stuck and then dying? Basically, since originally bees weren't on this planet to have to ward off humans, so humans weren't one of their main concerns. So when bees were evolving, they had to ward off other predators. But one of the main ones of the main predators originally was not human. So there wasn't this concern that they would die if they lost their stingers, since the predators that they that would attack them, there wouldn't be this loss of life in as great of numbers. So humans were kind of an afterthought, you could say, in their evolution process. Did bees evolve from wasps more than 100 million years ago? Yes and no. There was some overlap, yes. But they're also very unique compared to wasps. So their evolution wasn't directly from wasps, but more of a relative. Why are there only a few species of honeybees? Basically, since they are so specialized. So when they evolved, there was only a couple of species that could evolve into bees that could actually produce honey. So honey, you can think of it kind of as gold, where it's pretty rare, and it takes a special process to be made. Why did the ancient Egyptians use the symbol of the bee in hieroglyphs? They had appreciation for the bees, so they more coexisted with them where they helped the bees and the bees helped them. 
To the ancient Egyptians, what was the religious and spiritual significance of the bee? Basically as a coexisting being. So something that they lived with, they admired, but not something they worshipped. So more of a friend, you could say, in a way. I don't think we have a have time for the next question before the break, Justina. Well, I'll mention our Facebook page before the break at Too Good To Be True. So go like our page there with the first two spelled T-W-O. And we will continue talking about the questions and the psychic insight after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennings, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand, live streaming events from around the world. 
interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the questions and the psychic insight. So, Dad, can you continue with some unbelievable questions? Thank you, Justina. <laughs> How did the ancient Egyptians learn to practice beekeeping over 4,000 years ago, including using clay or mud pipes stacked on top of each other on rafts that were moved on the Nile to where the flowers were pollinating? Basically, just intelligence. So they realized that beekeeping could be beneficial for them as well. So they realized that keeping bees would not only help the bee population, but also provide resources for themselves. So it took a number of great minds to come together to realize that it could be beneficial to them as well. Is there any significance in the pipes being stacked in pyramids on the rafts? Basically strength. So again, forming the strong figure of the pyramid. Was honey used by all classes in ancient Egypt and used on a large scale? Yes, again, this coexisting where the bees were friends and the humans were friends with the bees. Why do the medicinal uses of honey, including treatment of wounds, seem to be forgotten about? Since humans over time forgot about the natural healing properties of different things, including honey, so they forgot that sometimes it doesn't take something that is made, for example, a medicine. There are also natural remedies. So humans turned to medications that were more popular compared to the natural healing, since a lot of natural healing gets bad reps, seeing that it's false or the healing properties don't actually work. Why was honey used as a means of payment in ancient times? Again, it was almost like liquid gold. So it was something that was much appreciated. And in ancient times, the people did understand how drastically the bees had to go to make the honey. So they understood that it was not an easy process or it was something more unique. Why did the ancient Egyptians keep sacred animals, including the bull at Memphis, the lion at Leontopolis, and the crocodile at Crocodilopolis. Basically to kind of worship them in a way, so to help with the appreciation. Why were mummies sometimes embalmed with honey and sarcophagi sometimes sealed up with beeswax? Beeswax was known to be something that would be good for sealing and making sure that any bad things stay out of it. And honey was used because of, again, the natural healing properties. So to send the body off with his natural healing along with the burial process. When King Tut's tomb was open, was the 2,000-year-old jar of honey that was found there still perfectly edible? Yes, it was. How does honey have the ability not to spoil? Basically, the process it goes through. So it has the natural preservatives that keep it good for a very, very, very long time. In ancient Egypt, if a witch or wizard made a beeswax figure out of a person and, and injured or destroyed it, could the person suffer or die? In their belief system, yes. But in most belief systems in current times, no. In a ceremonial offering known as the opening of the mouth, did priests use special instruments to place honey into the mouths of statues of gods or kings or nobles? Yes. Did ancient, sorry, did ancient Egyptians believe that the soul of a person took the form of a bee? 
In some cases, yes. So that wasn't always true for all souls in their minds. But for some, yes. Did ancient Egyptians compare the voices of souls to the hum of bees? Yes and no. Again, some people did believe this, but some people did not. How did honeybees evolve with the queen able to emit pheromones as a means of communication to keep the hive working? Basically just an evolution process. So over time, bees realized that there is one great leader who led the hive. It is actually more productive. So having a queen would actually be the best for everyone's own good, since everyone would know their job. And there would also be the sole job of the queen, where she would be able to help repopulate, and also her leadership abilities. So it kind of is like a government system in a way where everyone has their own job. For survival, if a queen is not doing her job properly and effectively, how did honeybees learn to revolt and attempt to create a new bee queen for the hive? Bees are smarter than you think, so they will form their own little, you could say, secret groups that realize that the queen is not doing their job properly and will find a new queen ahead of time so that they can revolt and elect their new queen. So again, quite like a democracy in a way where everyone still has their own vote about the queen. Is there any significance in all worker bees being female? Yes, there is. The female bees are the more responsible for the hive, since they are usually the stronger bees of the two genders. Why, how did honeybees evolve to have different jobs, including foraging for nectar and pollen, while communicating good locations by dancing in the air, while having the role of nurses, as well as cleaning the hive? Basically, the evolution of a society in a way. So over time, they learn what worked, what didn't work, and learn these different abilities. So they're very specialized and way smarter than most insects are thought of. How did honeybees evolve into what appears to be a complete civilization by having guard bees that protect the hive? Basically by the process of having the queen bees. Over time, the queen bees were the ones that directed and changed the way that the civilizations formed. So you can think of it almost like humans, where over time humans established civilizations to meet their basic needs. How did honeybees evolve to make wax for their honeycombs by their glands making it from sugar from nectar? Basically the chemical reaction in their body. So they realized that they would have to build some type of structure. And the easiest way they figured out was actually building it through a process in their own bodies. So the easiest part was taking something they already attracted to sugar and making it into something they actually needed. How did bees evolve to be able to hibernate when wasps die out when it gets too cold? So this was when bees went to different locations. And as bees spread to more colder locations, for example, they needed a way so that they would still survive. So their bodies basically got adjusted where the ones that could hibernate lived, while the other ones couldn't, died out. Are honeybees addicted to nectar and pollen? Yes, they are. Why do honeybees make much more honey than needed for feeding the hive? Basically to have backups, so they always have another process so that they will never run out of the food they need. Is it good to eat honey? So honey has many different natural properties. So for example, curing a sore throat could be used through using honey. But actually eating honey is not hurting the bees in any way. The bees make enough honey for themselves plus more. So as long as the honey is done in a safe environment where you are not hurting the bees or taking their food supply, 
they can be very benef beneficial for many different people. So just because someone's eating honey doesn't mean that they're trying to hurt the bees in any way. Instead, it should be appreciated and again thought of in a way as liquid gold. Changing the subject to killer bees, in the 1950s did some African honeybees imported into South America escape to breed with European honeybees in the wild, giving rise to the hybrid species of killer bees? Yes. Why are killer bees so aggressive that they can sting a thousand or more t times and are able to kill an adult human? They're just very upset. So through the mating and the evolution, the way that the genes transferred from one species to another actually, you could say, ignited the anger. So it made it so the personality trait was not the calm demeanor that you see with most bees, but instead the cross of genetics made it so that they are very angry and their one sole purpose is to survive by any means necessary. Why do there always seem to be unintended consequences when humans interfere with the evolution of species, such, in the, such as in the case of killer bees? The problem is that humans think they know more than the natural cycle of things. So humans believe that crossbreeding is actually a positive thing without thinking of the negative consequences. While breeding, breeding in nature is a very, very complex process where every different animal, creature, etc., is automatically programmed to what it should breathe, breed with and what it shouldn't. For example, if honeybees gets lost, it would usually not mate with a different type of honeybee unless a new was safe. So there's this good instinct in a way that animals have where they know that they are usually going to mate with the same species. Obviously, there are different examples where they don't always mate with the same species. But in those cases, without human intervention, they usually go quite okay and don't have the horrible side effects. Why is it possible for humans to die if they have an allergy to bee stings? Basically, what the bees have in their stingers is almost like poison to humans. So some human bodies are able to fight it off, while their human bodies don't possess that quality. So it's just, you could say in a way, chemical reaction between the human body and the bee. How many people have been killed by killer bees, including in the southwest of the United States? At this point, thousands. So a lot of people don't actually know that they died from them, since they are given more of a natural cause on their death certificate. And people don't always realize that they have actually been stung by a killer bee, since they kind of brush it off in some cases. Can one killer bee kill a human, or is it through an allergic reaction too? Allergic reaction to. Is there something worse in the venom of a killer bee? It's stronger in a way, yes. So they have, again, more defense mechanisms. What is not the same as a normal bee, no. I don't think we got time for the next question, Justina. Can you take us into the break? Yes, I'll mention our website this time. And if you want to go visit our website at toogoodtobetrue.net, you can go on there. You can contact us if you want to give us any suggestions. If you have any comments about bees, uh, please go on there. And after the break, we'll continue talking about bees. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network www.xzbn.net
they're here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And let's continue with uh, some sweet information about bees. Get it, Dad? Do you like that one? Yeah, yeah, that was excellent. Thank you, Justina. I'll try and keep a straight face now. <laughs> uh, changing subject to bumblebees, why did the myth continue for so long that the laws of physics could not explain how bumblebees could fly? Again, since humans thought about flying in the concept of how humans fly, so they didn't think that there was this concept that other animals use different mechanisms to actually fly. Is it unusual that bumblebees evolved to develop muscles that warm up to function, providing flight in lower ambient temperatures? Yes and no. It's shocking that a creature could figure out a way to fly based on a muscle system. However, you see many different shocking things in nature, where even other insects, for example, have learned these different qualities so that they can have survival. Why is it so important for bumblebees to buzz pollinate? Basically, since that's what they are made for. So they are not only fulfilling their obligation, but they are also fulfilling their basic need of pollination. So you can think of them as being programmed, where they just need to pollinate. And that's what their brains think about most of the time. Why is buzz, sorry, why is buzz pollination so important in providing the best possible fruit? Basically because the sweetness is shared. So you're sharing the sweetness of one plant to the next, to the next, to the next, where you get these interesting flavor combinations and this kind of overall sweetness that is shared. Do bumblebees live in colonies of only between 50 and 500 individuals because they only produce honey in small quantities for their own consumption? Yes, so they only create a colony with enough that they know they can feed. 
Is there anything especially nutritious in bumblebee pollinated fruit, including berries, peppers and hothouse tomatoes? Yes and no. There is this quality that is shared with other different species of plants, yes. And also the taste may be slightly different. So the nutritional value overall is not different. However, the taste can be wildly different. Do the reasons for bumblebee decline and the extinction of certain species include the prevalence of pests and pathogens, poor nutrition and pesticide exposure? Yes. Has agriculture intensification, particularly in the Midwest United States, where grassland prairies have disappeared, resulted in loss of habitat, particularly for bumblebees? Yes, it has, and of course, other species as well. Has this loss in habitat been aggravated by greater pesticide use as the bee food supply has been shrinking? Yes. Are bumblebees especially at risk due to a narrow or specialized diet and large body size? Yes, they are. In general, why are some bee species declining while others are apparently thriving? Basically, some, some are able to get their food sources, however, others are not. So really it depends on what area you are looking at. If bees are actually improving, what others are not improving. And it also helps when humans take an intervention of actually providing a space for bees to create their colonies or hives. And also providing different plants that they're able to use to pollinate to get their food. So some humans are actually stepping in and trying to create a more, you could say, safe space for bees. How does colony collapse disorder in honeybees occur? Do the majority of the worker bees disappear, leaving the hive to die out? Basically, again, it goes back to where every bee has its own job. So for the whole hive to function, you need all the jobs fulfilled. So when it starts to crumble, the crumbling affects all aspects. But why are the bees dying off? Most of the time, it's due to a lot of the bees not coming back. So it's due to the bees actually dying when or before they get to the hive. So when the bees don't return it means a lack of food supply. Therefore the young and the other bees cannot be fed. And it's this downward spiral where more and more bees just die off because of their lack of food supply or pesticides or something else are killing them off when they are on their journey. Why have many studies shown harm from neonicotinoid pesticides to pollinators in laboratory settings, while large field trials have produced mixed results? Again, it depends on who is doing the study, the factors you are looking at and what controls are in place. So again, it's important when looking at studies to see how closely the different guidelines are followed and to see what the results were actually based on. Can bees become addicted to neonicotinoid pesticides? And is this part of the reason why these chemicals are so harmful? Yes, they can. In a way, it mimics that they need something like sugar, where they just need more and more and more, and they don't realize it's actually killing them. Is that why that type of pesticide is particularly harmful? Yes, they are very harmful. Does the pesticide sort of foxiflor that has already been approved for use in several EU nations have disruptive effects on bumblebee colonies? Yes. What are the disrupted effects of sulfoxiflor on bumblebee colonies? Basically making it harder for them to feed themselves. 
so affecting the chemical processes in their body to the point where they're not able to get a food source for themselves or others. Why did in August of 2018, the United States government reverse a ban on neonicotinoid pesticides, which had been put in place two years before, following environmentalists pointing out the threat to vital and vulnerable species? Basically the money. So using these pesticides was going to create more of a money supply compared with what the bees bring in. What would it take for the United States government to reinstate the ban on neonicotinoid pesticides? Basically more research studies. So being able to hand the government facts about how this actually affects bees and have solid numbers. So experimenting, doing more tests, and even tracking the natural bees to see how the plants that these pesticides are put are affecting the bees and their numbers. In Amsterdam, does the creation of a, a bee-friendly environment, as well as the banning of chemical pesticides on public land, offer a real solution for the rest of the world? Yes and no again. There needs to be a large change. So it can't be one or two people, but instead it would have to be done in large numbers. What can we do in our own backyard to help all bees, including bumblebees, survive and recover? Basically, number one, providing bee-friendly plants. So finding local species that would be, for example, found in the prairies or somewhere where bees would thrive. So doing your research, even contacting local bee organizations in your area. So realizing what plants naturally used to grow there, which ones are good for bees, which ones were able to let them thrive. And for some people, if they do have land or their city allows it, to actually create a beehive and be a beekeeper. So to go through the natural processes where they're creating an environment for bees to thrive. So there are multiple different beekeeper associations, for example, where yes, bees are seen as these dangerous creatures. However, it is important to remember that bees will only sting when they feel like they are in danger. So bees lose their lives when they sting. Therefore, they don't want to sting for just any reason. So keeping bees is not actually as dangerous as some people might think. That was the last answer. If we change our ways, is a world in which our good friends, the bees, can thrive. Too good to be true. That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, it's been an interesting week. Um, I didn't know that bees were so fascinating and um, so smart. And uh, if you go about putting some plants in your backyard that are friendly to bees, be a little careful because sometimes uh, the plants that are good for the bees may not be so good for, um, say, dogs. Or, I'm not sure about cats, but anyway, dogs, but pets in general. So there's a lot we can do, but we have to be careful how we do it. Yes, I think my biggest lesson from this whole episode is that honey is so valuable in a way that when you grab honey out of a jar, you don't think about what you're actually eating. You're just like, oh, there's honey. But it's actually quite interesting that depending on where the bees are, depending on what the bees are eating, there's so many factors that makes honey actually taste all different ways too. So it's interesting how honey is like this whole thing on its own where it's just something that we don't think about on an everyday basis. Yes, and if it goes crystalline or sort of solid looking, you just uh, warm it up and it goes back to normal. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. And uh, I guess since the, the week started, I've been taking some honey every day.
I mean, I don't think I want to eat the ancient Egyptian honey. I think I'll leave that to someone else to try and make sure that's safe to eat. But it's very interesting that a lot of these concepts, uh, especially with different animals, go back to ancient times where the ancients really seemed to find what foods worked for them, what foods didn't work for them. And we kind of have followed their footsteps where we still eat the same things, just sometimes in a little bit different ways. Yeah, and some things about the hive, we didn't really have time to explain. But um, if there are bees that are uh, not doing too well and look like they're ill, and aren't going to make it. There's worker bees that shove them out the hive. <laughs> so uh, being a sick bee isn't a good thing. You're not going to infect all the hive. You're going to be dumped out the hive. I mean, how smart is that? I guess it's a bit brutal, but uh, they are incredible creatures. Well, again, we just want to mention that if you want to help out the bees, you can always contact your local organization in the area you're in. There's many different organizations to help you get started with beekeeping, to plant different plants in your yard, or even for more information. And if you want to contact us about anything about our episode, any suggestions, feel free to send us a message at Too Good To Be True on Facebook or contact us at our website at toogoodtobetrue.net. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to next week's show. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. 
To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 